Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, guys. It's your girl, Autumn Miles. I hope you guys are staying healthy. We are doing our best over here, even in the studio. I've got my little wet ones, and I've got my little antibacterial um, solution. How about you, Dan? I'm clean. He's clean. <laughs> he's clean. He says he's clean. Uh, we are praying for you guys as we are facing really something that I know our generation has certainly never seen. Um, we love you guys so much. Do not forget that the Lord is our strong tower during this time. Um, and I, I, I want to refer you guys back to the word of God. I want you to encourage, just like David, encourage yourself and the Lord. And I really do think that this show that I'm uh, where we you're listening to right now is going to be a piece of that encouragement. I'll get to the show in just a second. Um, if you do not catch the show at our normal time slot here in North Texas, I want you guys to subscribe to the podcast. So many of you say, ah, I had to get out and run to Chipotle for my burrito and I missed what the name of the guest was. If you subscribe to the podcast, which this show will be, we don't podcast all the shows, but this show will be podcasted. Um, no need to worry. You can go back yourself and you can look it up. Um, we we are just newly on Spotify, so you guys can go and follow. I think it's just follow. Is it Dan? Is it follow? I don't really know. Where's Cassie when I need her? Um, I think you, you can just follow along. But um, so many of you guys are downloading the podcast. And I think that this is why, because you know, those burritos at Chipotle really get in the way when you, when you need details. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening along and um, just letting us uh, know that you're, you listen. Uh, that's uh, doesn't get lost on me. I want to go ahead and get directly into our guest. His name is David Taylor. And he's kind of a fascinating dude. He's homies with Bono, which is which is really really cool. And uh, Eugene Peterson, um, and I am fascinated because he wrote a book all about the Psalms, which I do believe we need right now. Psalms is one of my favorite books in the Bible um, because David and and the the different authors of the Psalms are so transparent. They say what I'm thinking. They say what I'm feeling. And I feel like I have friends when I go to the Psalms. Um, he wrote a whole book about it. It's called Open and Unafraid. David, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's so nice to have you on. And I feel like we talked, chatted a little bit before we went, um, we started recording. I just feel like this is a right now word. Isn't it amazing how God will plan a book sometimes years in advance to have it land on the very time that I think it could heal the nation and heal, heal us as believers. Isn't that crazy, David? It is. I mean, it's a funny time to promote a book, but I guess there are worse titles that I could be promoting than Open and Unafraid. <laughs> it's actually the perfect title, I think. As a matter of fact, one of my producers on the way in um, were 
uh, downloading with me about our shows for today. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Um, so you did you did a short film, and I want to talk about that just for a second because it's fascinating. I mean, who is not oh like who doesn't respect Eugene Peterson? That is amazing um, that you had the chance to work with him. But you did a short film with with him and with Bono about how the Psalms influence their life. You want to talk about that for just a sec? Yeah, sure. This was in 2015, and I'd had a sense over the years that they both shared a love for the Psalms, and they both had some sense of each other's work. Certainly Bono knew about Eugene's work and admired it over the years and had been trying to get an audience failing. And so finally, um, this opportunity came up for us to have this conversation. We we all flew to a small town in Montana where the Petersons lived, Lakeside, Montana. He flew down from Vancouver because U2 was rehearsing for one of their tours about to start. And we spent an hour together uh, talking about friendship and about the Psalms. And one of the things that was just so lovely about it was how genuine and calm and unassuming and kind and joyful they were mm. with each other, not just on camera, but off camera. Mm. And then after that was done, a few days later, I, was, I had landed back in Houston, where we lived at the time, got an email from Bono apologizing. He felt like he hadn't done a good job preparing and asked if he could make it up to me somehow. And I said, sure, you can. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> I had many thoughts, but, but the one practical one was that I would find them at some point on the tour in North America. We landed in New York City in an art gallery. And he had woken up that morning, spent an hour by himself in the Psalms, spent an hour talking to his chaplain about the Psalms, and was bubbling over with excitement about the things that he was learning about the Psalms. So wow. all that came together in the form of the film. That is amazing. And it's had more, I think, is it, is, is it called Psalms? Is that the name it of it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and it's had over a million views on YouTube. I would encourage you to go and check it out, those of you that are listening um, so that kind of morphed into this project, which is open and unafraid. Am I, am I saying that right, David? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes. We, um, we, we, myself, uh, and I found ourselves <laughs> talking to folks about the Psalms, realizing how much I didn't know. So I began to read a little bit more and then discovered there's a little bit of a gap in books on the Psalms. There are some really wonderful scholarly works, really wonderful daily devotions, but not a lot in the middle that would offer kind of like a hefty, meaty, deep dive into the Psalms, but super accessible and practical. And having been a pastor for 10 years, I thought I could write this from a pastoral vantage point. I know how hard it is to be faithful, sometimes how hard it is to be human on any given day. Mm. And I think the Psalms offer us a word of encouragement along the way. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm making notes as you're typing uh, as you're talking. Uh, and isn't that true? I th- I feel like wh- have, okay. So this is, this is not in your press kit, but do you not feel like we have gotten away so far? I mean, this is how I feel, David, you can disagree or agree. Um, I feel like these guys in the Psalms got it right. They were incredibly transparent. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one point, David says, "May their what does he say? May their teeth rot, uh, no, crumble in their <laughs> mouth, uh, talking about his enemies. I mean, yeah. he's like praying this stuff. And yeah. what do we do? We go to church and we pray mm-hmm. these plastic mm-hmm. prayers. 
And it's no one is encouraged by it. Like no one is like moved by it. I mean, of mm. course, of course, I'm painting with a very broad brush. There are some people that are uh, they pray and literally Jesus shows up in the room and you can you can <laughs> sense them. But as a whole, Big C Church, mm. have we not gotten away from this transparency? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, one of the arguments that I try to make in the Psalms is or in the book itself is that the Psalms are like a devotional antidote to mm. our, our first sin, the sin of Adam and Eve. And the effect of that sin, of that rebellion, was to either hide from God or run away from God. And then as it relates to one another, it's to close off or to shut down. Mm. And what the Psalms are given to us by God are an antidote to not do that, to not be that way self-protective, fearful, shut down, self-protective, selfish, and instead is this invitation to be transparent and vulnerable and porous, which is utterly terrifying, (laughs) which is why the Psalms are constantly saying you can't do it alone. There's Mm -hmm. always the language of the congregation, the assembly, the friends, the people, the community, because you can't do it. You can't be that kind of honest if you don't have a community that you can trust and Mm -hmm. feel safe with, and that's what the Psalms not just telling us what to do, they're modeling for us. And I think that taps into this profound hunger in all of us to be known and loved in that way, which, of course, God himself loves us in that way, but it's so difficult for us to offer that to one another. So the Psalms are like retraining us how to be human, as it were. Mm. So tell me about the book. I I love that. Uh, Tell me just about the book. I I know it's broken up in a very interesting way. Tell us how Mm. it's broken up and why you decided to sort of structure the book that way, and then we'll get into the guts of it. Sure. So I, I start the book with two chapters, one chapter on honesty in the Psalms and the other on community, basically to, you know, reiterate what I just said, that the the Psalms invite us to have this utter honesty, but also, you know, in the company of people. And then that's kind of, that's the invitation. And in a sense, it maps on to Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, what it means to walk in the way in the presence of others. Mm. And then off you go, Psalm 3 and onwards. And then I have three chapters that are basically like, okay, what do I do with the Psalms? What do I do with poetry? How does it do prayer? And how have Christians for 2,000 years prayed it? Just to get a little bit of perspective that Christians have been praying it for a long time and far more comprehensively than most of us in the modern era. And then I jump into what I call the emotional center of the psalm. And so I explore the psalms of sadness or lament, the psalms of anger or the cursing psalms, and then the psalms of joy or the psalms of praise, as if to say that the psalms really are interested in enabling us to be whole and holy and wholly alive in this deep place in our hearts. And then I, I don't do an exhaustive treatment of the Psalms, but I, I, I look closely at a bit of pairs. And so I pair up the Psalms of justice with the Psalms of enemies, the Psalms of life with the Psalms of death, and the Psalms of nations and the Psalms of creation. And then I end with a last reflection on the steadfast love of God, which is where I think we, we have to hold on to that primary character of God if we have any hope of <laughs> diving into the Psalms successfully and, and faithfully. I mean, it is it is fascinating in my uh, study of the book of Psalms, just um, when you see when some of these Psalms were written, 
and parallel it with David's life, like why he wrote um, some of these psalms. It tells you what he was going through in in uh, some of these things that he faced, which we know was horrific. I mean, even uh, um, you know his betra- betrayal of the Lord with Bathsheba and stuff like that. Um, it's very interesting just to see how it humanizes King David, right? I mean, it's just, it's such a fascinating, um, almost, uh, look into just his own psychology. It's, it's fascinating to me. Um, so with all that, you know, take, take all these Psalms and there's so much wealth in them. What culturally, why do you, how can we use the Psalms uh, right now today in order to strengthen our, our spiritual walks and our spiritual lives? Well, I was sharing with a, a friend yesterday what my counselor told me 25 years ago now, and he said to me that when we are weak and tired and frustrated, we're most susceptible to becoming fearful and shut down and self-protective and and defensive and so on and so forth. And I I say nothing new when I say that everything in our world is is increasing anxiety, increasing fear, increasing a sense of dread or bringing us face-to-face with the possibility of death. And so where we may feel anxious, the Psalms are saying, we totally get it. And it's okay to feel anxious, but bring it before the face of God. Share it with others. You're, you're afraid? We've been there. Mm. We understand what it means to feel afraid. You feel attacked? We got you. Mm. You feel like you're facing death? We know what it's like to walk through the valley of, of the shadow of mm. death. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, in a sense, it's really simple at one level and, and complex at another, but it's a matter of saying out loud with our mouth, and the Psalms are an oral book. They're meant to be sung out loud, prayed out loud, read out loud, because they come from an oral culture. We say these things out loud. They're true. We bear witness to one another. There's this constant dialogue happening between the psalmist and God, between the psalmist and others, between the psalmist and nature. So it's just like talk, talk. you got to talk it out, talk it out, but also got to keep saying the truth. God is our refuge, mm. very present help in time of trouble. Yeah. He is also Lord of death. Mm. And in a sense, the psalmist says, don't let me go to death in this place of the psalms because it's sort of the shadowy underworld where it's like a non-existence. Mm. And certainly for us that follow Jesus, there is the resurrection and the life. But, you know, we, we the psalmist is constantly urging us to get in God's face, tell him how to feel. And share it with others, and together tell God how you feel, and then keep. If, if you can't stand and assert these truths about the faithfulness of God, at least stumble in the direction mm. of them. Oh, that is so good! Stumble in the direction of them. I um I wrote a book, and it was released this past summer called Gangster Prayer, and it was <laughs> is one of those titles that is like, what is this about? And man, did I get flack for it because it's just. People are funny. Um, But it's one of the points of the book is be transparent. Be transparent. 
Mm-hmm. Take take a nod from some of these guys. God already knows what you're feeling anyway. Yeah. And David was definitely not shy about being transparent. Mm-hmm. I, um, I like this book that your publisher's uh, book. Oh, my gosh. I've got Corona on my brain. Um, I like this uh, question that your publisher sent us over. And I, I actually would like to know the answer of it. As you have studied the Psalms, what insights have surprised you most? I'm super interested in this kind of stuff. Well, let's see. I would say one of the things that has surprised me is how, in the context of the Psalms, joy can exist alongside of sadness without any real tension in the way that our experience of happiness in America doesn't know how to make space for sadness. There's a sense in the Psalms that we come in and out of movements and seasons of joy and sadness, and yet there are companions one another, as if to say, even within Jesus' own heart and his own ministry, we see this close relationship between joy and sorrow. And I think one of the things that's really beautiful about that is that if we lean into it, it cultivates in us muscles of sympathy and empathy. So Mm -hmm. I may be feeling happy today or joyful today. You might be feeling sad. And if I have sort of this psalmic muscle inside of me, I'm able to be fully present to my joy and fully present to your sadness without feeling like it's a zero-sum game. Mm. Um, and like, like if you're struggling with one thing, I'm struggling with a very different thing, we're able to extend care to one another. We're, we're able to lean towards rather than away from each other, which I think is, again, just such a, a, a way for us as broken humans to be in the world naturally, as it were, the other is, my wife and I went to several miscarriages a number of years ago, and we mm-hmm. found the Psalms of Lament, which comprised the largest part of the Psalter, to help us to give, as I say in the book, they offered us coherent language to give expression to our incoherent feelings. Mm. And I just needed that. I, 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 was, I had no words to express how devastated and how angry I was, and so I just prayed Psalm 22, which begins with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then, I, I, you know, it lands in sort of these affirmations of praise, and I was like, I'm not there, but I'm going to go to Psalm 23, because that's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I feel like I'm wanting a lot, but you need to take me through the valley. Hmm. I need to know that your rod and your staff, so just a language provided me like a path, it provided me perspective, and it provided me sort of these internal strengthening resources in my interior life so I, I would not completely fall apart or do what was easy, which is to shut down and harden. Mm. Uh, I was going to go, my next question was, how have the Psalms personally um, been important okay. to you? I'm, I, was that your answer? Was that where you're going with that? Well, um, I mean, there are many things that I see in the book, uh, but I can, I can also add uh, that I love that when you read the Psalms from beginning to end, you keep reading them, uh, you discover that you get to say to God all kinds of pray- things. You get to say, thank you, and we love you, but you also get to say, how long, and don't forget, and I'm alone, and how often these kind of phrases never enter into our vocabulary in our worship or our prayer because we feel it's not of God, we feel faith in God, and yet the psalmists are, are showing us, like, a grammar for prayers. Like, if you want to really know how to pray, pray this way. Mm. Don't pray in the way, perhaps, 
that you were raised to pray because you were taught there are certain ideas about God that you shouldn't ever transgress, and you never tell God a piece of your mind. Hmm. And the psalmists are always telling God a piece, giving God a piece of their mind. Yeah, they're crazy. And it's done faithfully. It's not, it's not an act of rebellion. It's hmm. not the, the, the speech of an atheist. It's a completely faithful <laughs> thing. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Um, oh, the name of the book is called Open and Unafraid. My guest today, uh, his name is David Taylor. Um, and he has written a book all about the Psalms. And um, like we started the show with, in case you missed the beginning of the show, I just feel like this is such a right now book for those that are struggling with being afraid. Um, those that are struggling with anxiety, um, even maybe those that don't know how to pray, just like what he just said, you know, this is a good, um, diagram of how to pray, how, 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 um, transparent you can get with your words, um, those things. If you have not explored the Psalms for yourself, I would highly encourage you to do this. Um, one of the other questions that your publisher sent us over, which I mean, typically I don't go by a lot of the publisher's <laughs> questions, but this is a good one. Um, you are a student of Eugene Peterson's and I mean, come on, he, I mean, legend, legend. He is such a legend, so much respect for him. Um, and he also endorsed the book. So what stands out to you as your biggest takeaway, uh, just from learning from him? Well, you know, one of the, I think many things that, I, that left a, a profound impression on me was how present he was to us. And mm. by the time I was in seminary, which was 25 years ago now, um, he was pretty well known. He'd written part of the message. He was like semi-famous, as it were. But there, was, there, there were no generics for him. There are no dittos. There was no like uh, kind of Here's this mass of humanity is going to deal with at a distance. He was always very great at eye contact, really listening, really paying attention, taking his time to listen, taking his time to respond because he really was processing. So he was never in a hurry. Mm. He never felt like he had to prove something. Mm. Uh, he never, uh, you know, made much of himself. In fact, he always, I think, tried to bend over backwards to say, "Don't listen to all that hoo ha." about fame and uh, stuff. He's like, it's just, it's you. Here we are. We're present to what Jesus is doing in this room. And he just had this lovely, infectious smile that just occupied his entire face. Mm. His eyes twinkled. And it was just such a, such a beautiful image of what I would imagine Jesus was like when he smiled at Mm. people, just to kind of think, that smile said everything that I needed to hear and receive here and now. Mm, I love that. That's amazing. Um, for those of us, us that didn't know him personally, only through his work, uh, that's that's beautiful. What do you hope, and this is our last question, then we're going to wrap it up. Um, what do you hope people gain from um, Open and Unafraid? Well, I think the first thing that I would hope, and I'm both a pastor and as a teacher and as a Christian, and that is that you would be encouraged to pray, to pray Mm -hmm. again, to try again, to not give up in your prayer life, to persevere, to deepen in your prayer life, and to trust that God really does listen. 
I, I just meet a lot of people who are very discouraged in their prayer life. I've stopped praying, pray only occasionally or piecemeal. I really hope that people would, well, they read my book, but really so that they would jump them into the Psalms and they would find themselves in this beautiful conversation with God. And in this conversation, they would find what Tim Keller calls the medicine chest of the heart, everything that they have ever longed for, uh, sorrowed over, dreamed of, uh, anticipated. The Psalms are there saying, you're not alone, you're not alone, you're not alone, you're on this way, this way everlasting, Jesus is with you, the Spirit is hovering over you, and there's this great company of saints that goes behind and before you. You can do it. Mm. I love that. I also feel like people that have gotten, we talk about prayer a lot, and we have talked about prayer a lot on this show. Um, This is also a great place if you've gotten out of the practice of reading the Word on a regular basis. I feel like the Psalms is a really good place to start Mm because you you, you immediately feel a connection there. And um, so if you have gotten out of just the practice of that, reading on a regular basis, um, I would encourage you to 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 jump in because you'll find yourself there really, really fast. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being on the show today, David. Open and Unafraid is the book. I believe it's already out. Yes, it was released on um, March 10th. Um, I want you guys to go pick up this book. I, we, I know David's hope and, of course, my hope is for you to have a more intimate relationship with Jesus Go pick it up. It is available everywhere. And um, yeah, dig into that relationship with the Lord. David, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it so much. Miles, thank you. If I could just add one small postscript. At the end of every chapter, I have questions for discussion and exercises and prayers. And when we're all holed up in our homes and social distancing, I'm hoping the book may help people stay connected somehow. So just offer that out. But thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes, of course. And thank you for listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Miles Show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Merry Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening. And join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.